Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show. You know, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and thank goodness, a sound mind. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. And recently I had the privilege of sharing a sermon based on this verse at Pastor Rob McCoy's church, God Speak Calvary Chapel in Newberry Park, California, which is up by Thousand Oaks. Because of time constraints on the radio for this show, this is an edited version of the message. Now, if you want to hear it and watch the full version, go to my YouTube channel. Just type in Victor Marks in your internet browser, and you'll find the YouTube channel. So let's get to it. Here's my message on this edition of the Victor Marks Show. Well, it's truly a privilege to be here this morning. So I head up a ministry called All Things Possible. We're an organization that has multiple lines of effort, but our main goal is to identify those who've been traumatized um, and those who do the traumatizing. Then we will insert risk to stop the action. And then we finally will bring in restoration, hope and healing using uh, the love of God, the truth of scripture. So it's, it's been quite the ride uh, by profession. Uh, my wife and I were martial arts instructors and we were out in Hawaii with schools out there suffering for the Lord. <laughs> Somebody got to read some natives. So, you know, I, uh, the Lord, he always looks for a payoff on those he invests in. And it's whether we're willing to trust him and obey him to follow him. There's a lot of talk about receiving Jesus, not a lot of talk these days about following him. There's a difference. And we have the incredible privilege to follow the Son of God if we choose to. Normally what keeps us back from that, if we're honest, it's probably fear. And that's the scripture I want to look at today. It's in the Book of Mormon. (laughs) If you're Mormon, I love you. I'm just a joke. Just a joke. (laughs) No, we're in the Holy Bible. The scripture is 2 Timothy 1.7. If you have a Bible, open that up. We're going to take a look at that. 2 Timothy 1.7. God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. It's one thing to hear a scripture, it's another to learn of it, and it's another to have your know, know it, to where it really means something to you, right? Or it's just words, but it's actually holy text. The word, the word of God is infallible, it's eternal. And, um, but you know why I've been confused lately? is that so many pastors and people and ministry and Christian music people and 
well-known. They know the word, but yet their life certainly doesn't represent it. And between a low IQ and a, and a tenacity not to give up, I started asking people questions, especially as it led up to the election stuff. When I see people taking a stand for pastors who believe abortion is actually okay and Christian. I'm like, what? Uh, is he out of his mind? So I'm asking other pastors that I actually loved, followed, respected, and they won't take a stand against it. They won't say nothing. I go, do children's lives not matter? I recover, rescue, seek, pedophile hunter, whatever you want to call it. Our organization was very effective. We have been for years. My chief of operations is a retired Delta operator. He was a commander with a thousand missions, never lost a man. What we've done, we've taken that passion and skill sets and, and leading of God's spirit to affect change and to help children, not only in the U.S., but around the world. Where I believe in absolute recovery of children and stop, I believe in stopping and cutting off the machine. And you know what? Part of that is justice. God is loving, but he's just. And I, I mean, you know, I've spent the last five years off and on in Iraq, 14 pumps, 90 missions, to where I actually have a house there and became a resident in northern Iraq. <laughs> you don't know, crazy. I mean, I had to give blood in order to get, you know, and go through their residency program. I'm like, just to get my resident card. And then I remember getting into, from Iraq, going into Syria to do a mission to where we were going to find and go to ISIS's confinement camp. It's called Camp Al-Hal. You can Google it. 70,000 ISIS wives and children. They've been brought there. It's an internment camp. It's a prison camp. 70,000. Because our ministry, our organization, we go, where's the biggest need? The Lord opened the door. And it was kind of weird because we have my story, my testimony in Arabic in a comic book form. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to deliver 5,000 to that camp and lion and lambs, which are little tactile trauma-reducing uh, healing toys and, and set up an operation inside the camp, which... Our lead person there, they tried to kill her, and she ended up, uh, they, they tried to kill her on the road by a head-on collision with a big truck. She ended up in a coma, broken jaw, shoulder, messed up. As soon as she came out of the coma, she sent comms to us through our other team members in there, and she goes, as soon as I'm better, I'm going back in the camp. She's back in. God's not giving us a spirit of fear. What would your life look like different if you actually didn't let fear hamper you? Ruminate on that for a bit. Fantasize on it for a bit. What would your life look like if you were like, what if I just didn't have that fear gene where I didn't care about what people thought? I didn't, I didn't fear dying. 
you'd be dangerous is what you would be. And it's time in our culture, can I just speak to the young men? Young men, it's time for young men to get backbone, to get courage, to step into the gap and go, I want to be dangerous and I want to follow the Lord and maybe smooth a little bit to get me a woman. <laughs> Look, I got three daughters and I got four granddaughters. We've been married 32 years and I've been following the culture and I've been following the, 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 the increase of passivity among young men. And I'm not downing you, I'm just saying, fight against the culture. We need masculine, moral men in our country now more than ever. Now you make a statement like that in church 50 years ago, 30 years ago, people wouldn't be clapping. Look at y'all. Everybody claps because we know the need especially young ladies, especially young single women. Where, where, where are the men? Where are the men? That are willing to stand up against what's wrong, say it, not get emotional, and certainly not, certainly not be passive when we should say right things. God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power. What is that power? Everybody wants to put power in the physical sense and all that. And while I do believe we should take care of our temples the best we can, best, I mean, best we can, I, you know, that's a smattering. Okay, get fat and lazy and forget about it. <laughs> do y'all believe there's a real battle between good and evil? There is. And if Christians believed that in a healthy sense, we'd be stronger followers of Jesus Christ. Didn't he deal with it? And we act like they're all gone. There is an evil organized war against humanity. And when you understand that, then you want and need the real power of God. God's not giving us the spirit of fear, but power. Even the face of evil. Love, you got to love. I, I, it's easy for people to label you. I had a neighbor that I saw, uh, I was in her house, I saw her. She would come out every day and walk her. She had a little toddler in a mop bucket with a rope. And that was her baby carriage. And they literally, they would walk around the block several times. So I'd watch them, they'd come around and it was actually funny, especially when she took the corner, because the little, it would start. And I was like, well, so finally one day I just went down and I said, hey, uh, my name's Victor Marshall. She goes, I know who you are. Ooh, well, that felt cold. She's like, uh, yeah, you're that Christian preacher man. I go, well, not really a great Christian, definitely not good at preaching, am a man. But, okay, she goes, uh, and she was just really, I said, okay, so, so I'm sorry, I just, I saw you, me and my wife, we've had a bunch of babies, and we have uh, some gear, <laughs> like kit, you know, we have a stroller, would you like one? She goes, no, I'm good. I said, oh, okay. I said, uh, well, nice to meet you. 
I said, why, uh, you know, why, why was it so much tension? She goes, I know. I know what you're all about against gays. I was like, whoa, I'm not against gays. I said, no. She goes, oh, well. I said, but I do have a question. <laughs> she goes, I knew it. I said, can I walk with you? She's like, fine. So we're walking. She's pulling our baby in the mop bucket, and we're walking. I go, I've got a question, a sincere question I've always wondered. She goes, okay, you know, is it hard being married to a person of the same sex? Because it's really hard being married to a person of the opposite sex. (laughs) And she stopped, and she goes, you're serious? I go, yeah, I'm just wondering. I mean, she goes, yeah, it is. It's very difficult. I'm like, whoa. She goes, as a matter of fact, my partner, because she was married, she goes, she's on a two-week bender now. She's a drug addict. I was like, oh. She said, me and my wife will be praying for you. Can we help with the kids? And we ended up, we, we did help her kids. She was a worker, and I remember that summer, her preteen son would attend my wife's weekly little Bible study at the house, cookies, and he gave his life to the Lord. And we ended up baptizing him in a jacuzzi. She's like, you you actually really do love me and us. Yeah. Show me where it says I'm not supposed to love you. Also, show me in the Bible where it says we're to be safe as Christians. Having a hard time finding it. I had a pastor recently tell me when Antifa was hitting towns, he's like, hey, you know, with things out of control, he goes, I have a thousand rounds saved up. Is that enough? I said, for, well, for what? The uh, zombie apocalypse? I mean, I know they just stare coming waves. I, I don't know. I, and, and I, he goes, well, you know, if somebody comes in our neighborhood and wants to, I said, well, you have every right to defend your home and your person and the innocent. I mean, I believe in Second Amendment, uh, of course. I said, but a thousand rounds, what are you planning on? He goes, well, you know, if they come, I said, brother, I've lived it. Let's say a wave of bad people come, just shoot and kill one. They're going to come in there and try to hack you up. Leave them in your front yard. They'll blow it up and smell. It is an unbelievable deterrent. He goes, I'm like, what are, you ta- what are you talking about? A thousand rounds, that's what happens to people when you shoot them. They die, and if you don't move them, they swell up and stink. He's like, okay, well, God bless you. I, that's. <laughs> I'm like, stop wasting your energy on all this fantasy and easy with the, you know, we do child recovery all over the world. And can I just say for those of you who think there are tunnels from military base to military base in the United States, snatching kids and bringing them around doesn't exist. Please. Everything above ground is plenty. Right in the streets, right in trailer parks, right in the wealthy part of town, kids are being abused and used. You don't have to follow what we call a flashbang. Oh, look at that. Yes, there's pedophile rings and all that. But man, 
Keep your eyes open and live the reality of it's happening in your neighborhoods. We have plenty of things we can put our effort into that's realistic without all the extreme conspiracy theories. Do you understand? God's art gives us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So I'll end on a sound mind. I was abused as a kid. That's why I do what I do. I was sexually abused, all of it. I was tortured. I was left for dead in a commercial cooler. 123 visits to a trauma specialist in nine months. I've been on Depakote, Depakine, Prozac, Zoloft, Lithium, Buspar. I know what it's like to have a psychiatrist tell you you'll never fully function. And being small doesn't do anything. And being humble just means you, you recognize what God's given you and what he hasn't. And you run in your lane. But run. Run so that you won't have no more oil in your lamp. When, and I believe... I tell people, the title of this message could be called Absolute, the best message that we're in end times. That'd be a good title, because people would click on it. We are in the end days, and I think it's a funnel. And it's getting darker and darker before, but all of us are in the end days, especially some of you with gray hair and wrinkles. I think gray hair and wrinkles is God's way of saying, I'll be seeing you soon. <laughs> and yet we live like, you know, <laughs> and hey, if the barn needs painting and the cosmetology and the, all that, do it. But don't forget, I mean, don't, don't forget. I talked to a lady last couple nights ago and she told me her age, I was like, okay, I would have lost a bet. They did really good work on you, ma'am. <laughs> but listen, we are going to die. I got, a, I got a radio show five days a week. And people say it's a cross between Dr. James Dobson's broadcast and Joe Rogan. <laughs> Little factoid, I was Dr. James Dobson's assistant. How many of you didn't see that one coming? He was my boss, became my mentor, and now he's my friend. When he wanted his bride, Miss Shirley, to learn how to shoot, he called me and said, can y'all teach Shirley how to shoot? I said, come on now. They drove over, tung, 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 putting on a target. And he's a shooter too, trust me. He turns 85 this year. So last thing I'll say, um, the most powerful weapon, because you've seen, you know, let me talk about stuff, but the, the most powerful weapon I've ever used is the weapon of forgiveness. When I was older in life, I was actually working for Focus on the Family as an assistant to Dr. Dobson. I went and found that man, the one man who was a stepfather who had abused me so bad. I found him. And that was hard to trust God and obey him to find him. And look at me. The first door I knocked on was the house I was raised in, and I was scared to death. Fear was taking a hold of me because all the abuse that had happened there. And an old lady opened the door, and she said, can I help you? I was dressed in a suit, and I said, ma'am, I used to live in this house. And then she goes, who is your daddy? I told her, she goes, I bought this house from him 30-something years ago. I knew he wasn't in there, but I still thought there'd be a monster in there, you know what I mean? 
because he had actually got arrested, put in prison, and he escaped. And then he turned himself in after years of being out of the country, and then he was reduced to living in a little trailer on a river. But that lady, she said, oh my gosh. She said this to me. She goes, bad things happened in this house, didn't it? I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, when I bought this house, y'all's stuff was still in there because we had to escape one night and we never came back. Crawled out of a window to escape him. And she says, stay right here. She went and got a little box of photos. She puts it down. She pulls out a picture. She goes, I kept y'all's photos off the walls and I've prayed for you all these years. And I said, that's me, the little guy, the blonde-headed, the very charming, good-looking, intelligent, (laughs) articulate. She goes, I prayed, and she was in her 80s. I said, God kept you alive so you see the fruit of your prayers. If you're older, you're not out of the game. Stay in the fight. It's a lie the enemy tells our elderly. You're not a door kicker anymore. You can't do this. Tell you, you can be so violent in prayer. You can destroy the works of darkness. And we need you. We need you. The last thing the Lord told me on that was, go find him now. And I I had a level of trust because I saw what just happened. And I went and found him. He was on a river in a little trailer, knocked on his door, and it was weird. He even tried to intimidate me. And I was like, I ain't that little kid no more. I'm a full-grown man. I'm a Marine, a black belt martial arts. And I could tell he just had open-heart surgery. I was like, I will unzip you, old man. Make it look like an accident. (laughs) Push him in that river. His swim laps didn't go well today, obviously. The ticker came out. God gave me the privilege to be in the hospital room when he was dying. And I would pray for him. And I would come into the room and read scripture. And I remember saying, you know you're going to die. And you are going to go to hell for one reason. You've rejected Jesus Christ. You know you've broken all them Ten Commandments because he had. And I said, your only hope is the cross. He'd say, you can read it if you want. He was so hard. The last time I'd see him, it was about four in the morning. I woke up out of bed, got on my knees and started praying. And I started crying. They were man tears so that, you know, I mean, they... Um, my wife got out of bed we wept together that God would save him I knew he was dying I went in the next morning it's the last day I'd see him I walked in and he goes he had a new nurse he goes hey nurse this is my son I was like whoa he goes I'm proud of him I was like whoa I never heard them words in my life and even if you've been abused by a caregiver Dad or mom, you know those words still matter. And he said, he's been worried about my eternity. He said, but he don't have to worry no more. 
I made it right with God last night. Uh, it was so, I mean, unbelievable that the nurse literally walked out of the room backwards. It was, the presence was like of God. And I said, Lord, now I know why. Because some people, they've heard it, but they're, they don't know it. They don't believe it. God used me, who he had abused so horrifically, as an instrument to come back and go, I'm living proof God forgives. Amen. Nothing you can do would keep you from God's forgiveness if you just repent, if you accept it. And I said, Lord, well, I guess I'm done. What do you want me to tell him? What's the last words you want me to say? And he goes, tell him you love him. I was like, well, I looked at him and said, hey, Dad, I love you. And he turned and he looked at me and he goes, boy, I love you too. I never heard them words from him. And then I just took a pillow. What is wrong with you, man? That was a loud, what is wrong with all of you? That's sick. I lifted his head up. And just, it was a Mike Liddell pillow. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. You guys, God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and sound mind. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.